Hello, friends. It's November 4th, and this is the One Year Bible Tour Guide Podcast, where we read through the Bible in 365 days and pause after each portion to take some snapshots that highlight what we have observed and do not want to forget. My name is David McAdam, pastor and Bible teacher at New Life Community Church in Concord, Massachusetts, and what a journey this has been. We are now in the book of Ezekiel, and once again this prophet is describing what he is seeing of the glory of God. There is a consistency in the apocalyptic language describing heavenly realities. What eye has not seen and ear has not heard is communicated by the Holy Spirit to our spirits, and this is true for the prophet Ezekiel. He is doing his best to describe what he is seeing within the limits of human language. He will use the phrase, the likeness of, indicating that what he is seeing bears a resemblance to something in his sense-knowledge experience, but at the same time, it is beyond his experience. Yet he knows that what he sees bears important significance in relationship to the message he must communicate. Judgment is coming. The glory of God is departing from the earthly temple in Jerusalem. We must follow the revelation of the glory of God in the Bible. It will eventually be seen in the temple of the body of Christ, His personal physical body, and then in His corporate body, the church, the temple of the Holy Spirit. So let's begin today's Bible reading excursion with Ezekiel chapter 10. And I will be reading from the English Standard Version. The glory of the Lord leaves the temple. Ezekiel chapter 10. Then I looked, and behold, on the expanse that was over the heads of the cherubim, there appeared above them something like a sapphire, in appearance like a throne. And he said to the man clothed in linen, Go in among the whirling wheels underneath the cherubim. Fill your hands with burning coals from between the cherubim, and scatter them over the city. And he went in before my eyes. Now the cherubim were standing on the south side of the house when the man went in, and a cloud filled the inner court. And the glory of the Lord went up from the cherub to the threshold of the house, and the house was filled with the cloud, and the court was filled with the brightness of the glory of the Lord. And the sound of the wings of the cherubim was heard as far as the outer court, like the voice of God Almighty when He speaks. And when he commanded the man clothed in linen, Take fire from between the whirling wheels, from between the cherubim, he went in and stood beside a wheel. And a cherub stretched out his hand from between the cherubim to the fire that was between the cherubim, and took some of it and put it into the hands of the man clothed in linen, who took it and went out. The cherubim appeared to have the form of a human hand under their wings. And I looked, and behold, there were four wheels beside the cherubim, one beside each cherub, and the appearance of the wheels was like sparkling barrel. And as for their appearance, the four had the same likeness, as if a wheel were within a wheel. When they went, they went in any of their four directions, without turning as they went, but in whatever direction the front wheel faced, the others followed without turning as they went and their whole body, their rims and their spokes, their wings, and the wheels were full of eyes all around, the wheels that the four of them had. As for the wheels, they were called in my hearing the whirling wheels, and every one had four faces. The first face was the face of the cherub, 
and the second face was a human face, and the third the face of a lion, and the fourth the face of an eagle. And the cherubim mounted up. These were the living creatures that I saw by the Kibar Canal. And when the cherubim went, the wheels went beside them. And when the cherubim lifted up their wings to mount up from the earth, the wheels did not turn from beside them. When they stood still, these stood still. And when they mounted up, these mounted up with them, for the spirit of the living creatures was in them. Then the glory of the Lord went out from the threshold of the house and stood over the cherubim. And the cherubim lifted up their wings and mounted up from the earth before my eyes as they went out with the wheels beside them. And they stood at the entrance of the east gate of the house of the Lord, and the glory of the God of Israel was over them. These were the living creatures that I saw underneath the God of Israel by the Kibar Canal. And I knew that they were cherubim. Each had four faces and each four wings, and underneath their wings the likeness of human hands. And as for the likeness of their faces, they were the same faces whose appearance I had seen by the Kibar Canal. Each one of them went straight forward. Chapter 11. Judgment on Wicked Counselors The Spirit lifted me up and brought me to the east gate of the house of the Lord which faces east. And behold, at the entrance of the gateway there were twenty-five men. And I saw among them Jeazaniah, the son of Azor, and Pelatiah, the son of Beniah, princes of the people. And he said to me, Son of man, these are the men who devise iniquity and who give wicked counsel in this city, who say, The time is not near to build houses. This city is the cauldron, and we are the meat. Therefore prophesy against them. Prophesy, O son of man. And the Spirit of the Lord fell upon me, and he said to me, Say, Thus says the Lord, So you think, O house of Israel, for I know the things that come into your mind. You have multiplied your slain in this city, and have filled its streets with the slain. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Your slain, whom you have laid in the midst of it, they are the meat, and this city is the cauldron, but you shall be brought out of the midst of it. You have feared the sword, and I will bring the sword upon you, declares the Lord God, and I will bring you out of the midst of it, and give you into the hands of foreigners, and execute judgments upon you. You shall fall by the sword. I will judge you at the border of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord. This city shall not be your cauldron, nor shall you be the meat in the midst of it. I will judge you at the border of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord. For you have not walked in my statutes, nor obeyed my rules, but have acted according to the rules of the nations that are around you. And it came to pass, while I was prophesying, that Pelatiah, the son of Beniah, died. Then I fell down on my face and cried out with a loud voice and said, Ah, Lord God, will you make a full end of the remnant of Israel? And the word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, your brothers, even your brothers, your kinsmen, the whole house of Israel, all of them, are those of whom the inhabitants of Jerusalem have said, Go far from the Lord, to us this land is given for a possession. Therefore say, Thus says the Lord God, Though I removed them far off from the nations, and though I scattered them among the countries, 
Yet I have been a sanctuary to them for a while in the countries where they have gone. Therefore say, Thus says the Lord God, I will gather you from the peoples and assemble you out of the countries where you have been scattered, and I will give you the land of Israel. And when they come there, they will remove from it all its detestable things and all its abominations. And I will give them one heart and a new spirit I will put within them. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh that they may walk in my statutes and keep my rules and obey them. And they shall be my people, and I will be their God. But as for those whose heart goes after their detestable things and their abominations, I will bring their deeds upon their own heads, declares the Lord God. Then the cherubim lifted up their wings with the wheels beside them, and the glory of the God of Israel was over them. And the glory of the Lord went up from the midst of the city and stood on the mountain that is on the east side of the city. And the Spirit lifted me up and brought me in the vision by the Spirit of God into Chaldea to the exiles. Then the vision that I had seen went up from me, and I told the exiles all the things that the Lord had shown me. This concludes today's portion from the Old Testament, our reading from the book of Ezekiel. Now let's take a few moments to reflect upon what we have just read. Ezekiel is speaking in apocalyptic language, the language of Revelation. He is describing what he is seeing to the best of his ability within the limits of human language. We read of the likeness of a throne of sapphire over the expanse that was over the heads of the living creatures, whom we are told for the first time in the book of Ezekiel are cherubim, defenders of the holiness of God. Ezekiel chapter 10 verse 1. It is implied that the likeness of the man in Ezekiel chapter 1 verse 5 and chapter 8 verse 2, who is on the likeness of the throne in Ezekiel 10 verse 1, is the Lord God himself. He gives a command to the man clothed in linen to go in among the wheels beneath the living creatures whom we now know are cherubim and receive burning coals from them. He is to scatter them over the city. Ezekiel watches this happen. The glory of the Lord moves to the threshold of the temple. The glorious chariot that appeared in chapter 1 in Babylon is now in chapter 10 in Jerusalem. However, we get more details here. For example, we learn that the bodies and wings of the cherubim in chapter 10 verse 12, as well as the wheels in chapter 1 verse 18, are covered with eyes. This suggests God's omniscience. He sees all and knows all. Each of the four wheels appear as a pair of intersecting wheels, enabling the chariot to move in all directions. The direction of the faces and wheels appear to always be going in a direction that is straightforward, yet can reach their targeted destinations with pinpoint accuracy. A pivotal event is described in Ezekiel chapter 10, verse 20. The glory of the Lord departs from over the threshold of the temple and rises above the cherubim. It moves to the east gate and stops where twenty-five men who had turned their backs on the temple are plotting evil. These are not the same as the men who are worshipping the sun in chapter 8 verse 16. It is revealed that they have already killed many people in the city. Jeazaniah was among them. He possibly was the brother of the false prophet Hananiah, who opposed Jeremiah and who delivered a similar false message of hope just before Jerusalem's fall in Jeremiah chapter 28, verses 1-4. through 4. The Lord tells Ezekiel to prophesy against these men. 
they will be driven out of the city, handed over to foreigners, and fall by the sword. This city will be a pot for you, and you will be the meat in it. In chapter 11, verse 11. In Ezekiel 11, verse 12, And you shall know that I am the Lord, for you have not walked in my statutes, nor obeyed my rules, but have acted according to the rules of the nations that are around you. As Ezekiel is prophesying, one of the men, Pelatiah, son of Benaiah, dies. This was a confirmation of Ezekiel's message and a foreshadowing of the death and destruction that would come to Jerusalem and its leaders. Ezekiel pleads for mercy. Will you completely destroy the remnant of Israel? Although judgment was coming, the Lord assures Ezekiel that a remnant will not be destroyed. The presence of God in the sanctuary, the testimony of the Lord in the tabernacle, and the temple were great privileges in the history of Israel, but to whom much is given, much is required. God's testimony is that He is holy. He is a covenant-keeping God. He keeps His promises. He does not leave the guilty unpunished. He has a provision to dispense mercy that will come through the cross of Christ. Ezekiel offers this message of hope, and I will give them one heart, and a new spirit I will put within them. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh, that they may walk in my statutes and keep my rules and obey them. And they shall be my people, and I will be their God. But as for those whose heart goes after their detestable things and their abominations, I will bring their deeds upon their own heads, declares the Lord God. Ezekiel chapter 11, verses 19 through 21. The final picture in Ezekiel's vision is that of the glory of the Lord departing from the city, with the wheels, cherubim, expanse, and enthroned Lord above, and going to the mountain east of it, that is, the Mount of Olives. Ezekiel then tells the exiles everything that the Lord has shown him in Ezekiel 11.25. Now let's go to our next stop in our Bible reading tour to the New Testament book of Hebrews, chapter 6, verses 1 through 20. Hebrews chapter 6. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God and of instruction about washings, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. For it is impossible, in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, and have shared in the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the age to come, and then have fallen away, to restore them again to repentance, since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding Him up to contempt. For land that has drunk the rain that often falls on it, and produces a crop useful to those for whose sake it is cultivated, receives a blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless and near to being cursed, and its end is to be burned. Though we speak in this way, yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things, things that belong to salvation. For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for His name in serving the saints as you still do. And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience 
inherit the promises. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. For people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes an oath is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain, where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And this concludes our reading from the New Testament passage from the book of Hebrews. The writer of Hebrews is encouraging his readers to grow and be secure in their understanding of the gospel. They are to go beyond the forerunning doctrines of the Old Testament to the culminating revelation of Christ and His perfect work of redemption. The literal translation of the Greek language in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1 is, Therefore, having left once and for all the elementary lessons of the teachings of Christ, let us press on to maturity. The elementary lessons refer to the foundational truths presented in Judaism. The writer describes them as elementary instruction, designed to help us to apprehend what we are to learn in the future, such as learning the alphabet before learning to read, or learning the multiplication tables before learning to solve larger math problems. The foundational doctrines anticipated the coming of the Messiah. These are the components that John the Baptist spoke of when he called the Jews to prepare the way of the Lord. Concepts presented in the Old Testament help us to understand how Christ fulfills them in the New Testament. The writer of Hebrews gives us a sample list of the important themes that are referred to in the Old Testament, repentance from good works, faith toward God, instruction about washings, laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment, in Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. The author gives a strong warning that participation in religious ritual or merely professing to have faith is no substitute for genuine saving faith in Christ. There is no substitute for having transferred one's faith to the true substitute. To fall away from Christ is an indication that one has never been saved. Their trust was rooted in something other than a solid conviction of the perfection of Christ and His work on the cross. Ultimately, they reject the free gift of salvation. Remember the context of this letter. The writer is warning those Hebrew Christians who were tempted to find safety from anti-Christian persecution by returning to the relative safety of Judaism. Identifying as a Jew who did not trust Jesus as the Messiah had a special dispensation from the Roman government's requirement to offer worship to the emperor. Jesus cannot be looked upon as merely a component of Judaism. He is the fulfillment of Judaism. There is no going back. Does a butterfly go back to being a caterpillar? Does a frog go back to being a tadpole? In the light of Jesus' teaching in the parable of the sower and the seed, 
What kind of soil will these Hebrews be for the good seed of God's word? Would they be like the seed that fell in the rocky soil, that failed to have a sufficient root to survive the trial of intense heat in the noonday sun? Jesus explained the shallow soil professor of faith that falls short of being a possessor of faith in Mark chapter 4, verses 16-17. through 17. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, and they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. The writer makes it clear that there is no possibility to renew foundational repentance. You cannot be born again again. You do not build a foundation twice. Foundational repentance is granted by the Spirit and involves a turning away from trusting in your own brand of justification to God's plan for justification, from trusting your own plan of salvation to trusting God's plan of salvation. Saving faith involves trusting Jesus as our Lord and Savior, trusting God's free gift of reconciliation through the propitiation, that is, the satisfaction of God's demands, provided by Jesus the Messiah. The nature of the new birth is that it is eternal. It does not have a short-lived profession. Those who say that they used to be a Christian are self-deceived. They were never a Christian. The Bible teaches the doctrine of the perseverance of the saints. For it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, and have shared in the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the age to come, and then have fallen away, to restore them again to repentance, since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding Him up to contempt. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 4-6 through six. The writer describes the case of a person who has been exposed to the gospel but has never personally submitted to it. They have never experienced what true salvation is. Regeneration by the Spirit, baptism into the body of Christ, forgiveness of sins through faith in the atoning death, evidenced by the shed blood of the Lamb and His resurrection that proves the efficacy of that atonement. The writer describes the case of one who has tasted but not swallowed. It is one thing to have heard about Jesus, experienced the good gifts of being associated with Him and His followers, and another to know that you belong to Jesus by the witness of the Holy Spirit. It is one thing to be inspired by His example and teaching, to have witnessed or even personally benefited from powerful miracles, and another to have experienced the miracle of the new birth. Remember that not all who experienced miracles believed that Jesus was the Christ. Not everyone who was healed trusted Him as their Lord and Savior. Of the ten lepers whom Jesus healed, only one came back to worship Him. Jesus asked, Were not the ten cleansed? Where are the nine? In Luke chapter 17, verse 17. Jesus warned those who professed to be his followers and who have prophesied, cast out demons, and performed miracles in his name, Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness, I never knew you. He didn't say, I used to know you, but don't know you now, according to Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. The miraculous works demonstrate the power of the kingdom age to come, but to have experienced these works is not a guarantee that one belongs to Christ. The warning from the writer of Hebrews in chapter 6, verses 1 through 8, reminds us that we must be careful not to presume that everyone who makes a profession of faith in Christ or is a regular churchgoer 
is truly saved. Each one should make their hope sure by looking to Jesus. In Hebrews chapter 6, verse 11, Salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And when we are saved, our faith will not be alone, but will bring forth the fruits of righteousness, that is, a changed life. Having been regenerated and sealed in a faith union with Jesus by the Spirit, in Ephesians 1.13, baptized with the Spirit into the body of Christ in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12, and made a new creation, we will bring forth the accompanying results of His indwelling presence, rather than the cursed sin nature with its thorns and thistles, in Hebrews chapter 6, verses 7 and 8. The writer of the letter to the Hebrews is confident that the profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ in the lives of his readers is real and that they will bring forth solid evidence that accompanies salvation, the fruit of the Spirit. They will display a life that is surrendered to the Lordship of Christ. He is confident that genuine believers will not apostatize. Though we speak in this way, yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things, things that belong to salvation. For God is not unjust, so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for His name in serving the saints as you still do. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 9-10 through 10. Now let's move on to our next stop in our Bible reading tour to the book of Psalms, Psalm 105, verses 16-36. through 36. Psalm 105, verse 16. When He summoned a famine on the land and broke all supply of bread, He had sent a man ahead of them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. His feet were hurt with fetters, his neck was put in a collar of iron, until what he had said came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. The king sent and released him, the ruler of the peoples set him free. He made him lord of his house, and ruler of all his possessions, to bind his princes at his pleasure, and to teach his elders wisdom. Then Israel came to Egypt. Jacob sojourned in the land of Ham. And the Lord made his people very fruitful and made them stronger than their foes. He turned their hearts to hate his people, to deal craftily with his servants. He sent Moses, his servant, and Aaron, whom he had chosen. They performed his signs among them and miracles in the land of Ham. He sent darkness and made the land dark. They did not rebel against his words. He turned their waters into blood and caused their fish to die. Their land swarmed with frogs, even in the chambers of their kings. He spoke, and there came swarms of flies and gnats throughout their country. He gave them hail for rain and fiery lightning bolts through their land. He struck down their vines and fig trees and shattered the trees of their country. He spoke, and the locusts came young locusts without number, which devoured all the vegetation in their land and ate up the fruit of their ground. He struck down all the firstborn in their land, the firstfruits of all their strength. And this concludes our reading from the book of Psalms. The psalmist is recalling the history of Israel in which the Lord fulfills His promise to make the descendants of Jacob a great nation. He recounts the story of Joseph, God's chosen instrument for the deliverance of his brothers. God called for a famine in the land. Joseph was mistreated by his brothers, sold into slavery in Egypt. In all his trials, the word of God was proved to be true. He suffered the humiliation of false charges and imprisonment. 
But God used all these circumstances, and by exalting Joseph to the right hand of Pharaoh, Joseph became God's agent of deliverance in the lives of the Egyptians as well as his brothers and father. However, future generations of Egyptian leaders did not remember Joseph, and they subsequently oppressed the Israelites and subjected them to slavery. In verse 26, the psalmist speaks of Moses and Aaron as God's chosen instruments in the Exodus. Yet it was the Lord who is the true deliverer. He brought glory to his name with the wonders of the ten plagues and by delivering his people from their bondage in Egypt. Now let's move on to our final stop in our Bible reading excursion today, Proverbs chapter 27, verses 1 and 2. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. Let another praise you, and not your own mouth, a stranger, and not your own lips. Here are two very wise Proverbs. Remember that you do not have the final say. God is in control. Do not boast. God knows the future and God will judge. Come now, you who say, Today and tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. James chapter 4, verses 13 and 14. The second parable is a strong reminder that we should not boast blowing our own horn. If our behavior is praiseworthy, Trust that others will recognize it and give glory to God. Now, having allowed His Word to give light, let's pray. Lord, we want to press on to maturity. We thank You for the Scriptures that foretell of the perfect provision of Your Son and His sacrifice for us on the cross. Having embraced Him by faith as our Lord and Savior, we desire to grow and bring forth fruit that bears witness to the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. Mold us, make us, fill us, and use us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, friends, for joining us on today's one-year Bible tour guide podcast. And God willing, we'll be with you tomorrow and we'll continue in the book of Ezekiel and in the book of Hebrews. If you have any comments or questions or if this has been a blessing to you and you want to let us know, we welcome you to write emails to podcast at newlife.org. And if you would like to receive a written copy of our commentary on each day's Bible reading, you can subscribe to a daily email by going to our website, newlife.org. So until next time, receive the blessing that's been mediated to us through our great high priest, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Shalom. Shalom.